0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome. You know what time it is. It's Friday. It's time to get on air. Disability Law Show. Good to have you back for another week. Yesterday was lots of fun. Yeah, Thursday, Terrible weather is always, uh, always great when you're hitting the road, which is perfect timing, Savan and Brandon. Brandon Ferrante here, and, of course, Savan Mark along with me, John Scholes, on this half hour on a Friday evening. Guys, that was uh, that was just ugly yesterday, freezing rain and snow, and bad driving roads were slippery almost from the minute it started coming down. But I guess uh, not a better time, Savan, to talk about uh, what we're going to talk about today. I want to remind you off the top two, you want to reach out to these guys anytime you can do so. It is help at disabilityrights.ca and one eight five five eight two one
1: 5,900, but Savannah, take it away, pal. This is a timely show for sure, right? Very timely, John. Absolutely. And I'm so happy we have Brendan here. Brendan is a licensed paralegal, works in our office, mm. works with our lawyers who deal with car accidents all the time. And this is the time of year we're starting to see a lot of car accidents and slip and falls and everything else is associated with winter, unfortunately. So maybe beautiful out there. It's holiday season, but we really need to be careful. And unfortunately, we see these spikes in car crashes all over the place. And of course, we handle these kinds of cases in our office throughout Ontario. Uh, and we always provide consultations for free. We also, you know, we always provide information as much as we can to people who, who just don't know what to do. And of course, later on the show, we'll, we'll go through some of these emails. So John, first thing I want to talk about is just the basics, the, the ABCs of car accidents from a legal standpoint. Nice. So when you're involved in a car accident, typically we're looking at two potential claims. Actually, there are three, but there are two that I'm going to focus on. The third one has to do with what happens when your car is uh, smashed, right? It's either a total loss or it needs to be repaired. So that's one claim. But the claim I want to focus on or the claims I want to focus on deal with the injury aspect here. When somebody is in a car accident and they are injured, whether it's their fault or someone else's fault, these are the kinds of things that we deal with and we give a lot of information about. So if you're involved in a car accident uh and someone else was at fault for that accident or partly at fault, sometimes it's not clear cut, it's not like a rear ender, sometimes it's uh, you know, people are skidding, people are getting into a ditch, sight swiping, yeah. etc. Yeah. You really have two types of claims uh that will allow you to get benefits and compensation under the law in Ontario. The first one has to do with accident benefits, and that's from your own insurance company. Now, some people out there, John, are injured because of a car. Let's say they're a pedestrian or a cyclist and they're hit by a car. They don't have automobile insurance, so they're asking, where can I get this, you know these benefits from? And again, we'll cover that, but the point is, if you are injured as a result of a collision with a car or in a car, then you're entitled to certain accident benefits. What kind of accident benefits and how much? It's something that Brendan is gonna get into in a moment. That's what he does, that's a specialty. The other type of claim that we talked about in the past is called a tort claim. We deal with those kinds of claims uh, in our office, when you have a more significant injury, specifically when you have something that prevents somebody from being able to go back to work or hinders their ability to work the way they did before the accident, or if they're not working, they're students, underage, uh, perhaps the el- you know, elderly, retired, whatever, it's when you have suffered an injury that is so significant that it has a permanency to it, so a long-standing injury, uh, and when it's very serious. How do we define serious? Well, again, it's very case specific. Generally, we look at it, uh, in terms of has it affected the majority of things that you do day to day, you know, for the long term. If the answer is yes or potentially yes, we can potentially help you with that tort claim against the driver or the insurance company of the driver that caused the accident. So that's where the lawyers in our office get involved when you're dealing with those kinds of claims where the person is either unable to work or has difficulty working because of their injuries from the accident or have these other issues that have arisen, that are going to be long term, uh, maybe they need medical do- uh, uh, rehabilitation, they need uh, various uh, expenses paid, etc. in the long term, that's where we we, you know, we jump into it. But John, again, uh, speaking about those two types of claims, the first one, like I mentioned, is accident benefits, and I would like to give Brandon an opportunity here. This is what he does day. He knows the stuff inside out. Uh, so, so let's talk to him and let's see what he says about that.
0: Brandon, what do you say, pal?
1: So Brandon, let's. I mean, let, let, let's let's start with the question: What benefits are available to someone when they get into a car accident? Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Well, um, as you were mentioning before, uh, you know, with medical rehabilitation benefits, uh, this can include physiotherapy, uh, chiropractic treatment, massage therapy. Uh, but the benefits can extend, you know, all the way to psychological therapy, occupational therapy, basically any other treatment that is needed. Um, also, if you're working at the time, there is a benefit uh, called the income replacement benefit. Um, this benefit pays up to a maximum of 70 percent. Uh, to up to $400 weekly. Uh, If you weren't working at the time, uh, there's also a benefit that you may be entitled to uh, called the non earner benefit. This is up to a maximum of uh, $185 per week. Uh, This test is a. A bit tougher to meet uh, but it is uh, as you have to be considered to have a complete inability to carry on a normal life but it is still very possible uh, for these people to meet their benefits to get help you know for their transportation to get to appointments uh, to help get uh, prescription prescriptions Um, there's also another benefit uh, main benefit that's called the attending care benefit Uh, this is when you know a personal support worker will come in a few days a week uh, to help you help you with some personal things and even some things around the house, things such as uh, getting dressed, uh, doing laundry, uh, even bathing or helping keep track of medication. Those are the uh, the main three types of benefits.
1: Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned is you said a maximum of up to $400 a week uh, for income replacement if you can't work. Mm-hmm. But if you have optional benefit that were purchased, for example, you can go even higher than that, right? Mm-hmm. I yes, mean, I was, it depends was. on the policy that you have. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the uh the four, the $400 the uh is is just the standard b- policy. I know a lot of people out there do have optional benefits. Uh this can increase to $800. I believe some even up to $1600. Or sorry, $1000 uh per week. So depending on which policy you have, uh it's going to depend on how much you're going to receive.
1: Go ahead.
0: There's there's something minor in ask. What is that all about?
1: Uh, mine, the minor injury guideline, I mean, that's a very important thing to understand. That's something that was put in place a few years back. Um, mm-hmm. Brendan, maybe you can just tell us a bit about that and, and, you know how ins- how do insurance companies i guess categorize that and and what does that mean by way of you know if you are classified by your insurance company as being within the minor injury guideline what does that mean from a money standpoint and how do you get people out of that so that they can get access to a higher level of benefits if they need that for physio for massage for all that kind of stuff
2: for sure for sure so uh the minor injury guideline caps some or limits somebody to $3,500 uh, worth of treatment. Uh, that's for all treatment um, in regards to physio, any medical rehabilitation for physio, chiropractic, massage therapy. Uh, the minor injury guideline doesn't even let you get any access to a care benefit either. Uh, now, the whole job is, or the whole point is to get you out of this minor injury guideline, uh, which will now get you to a the next level, which is called the non-catastrophic, which is up to 65000 Dollars worth of treatment, uh, it's quite a significant jump. But uh, yeah. to get out of uh, this uh, this category, this minor injury guideline category, would be to either go for an insurance examination, uh, be assessed by an assessor, and uh, they'll take a look at whatever benefits uh, that you're trying to claim. Either if it's the attendant care benefit, or even uh, let's say further treatment. Let's say you've maxed out the three thousand five hundred dollars worth of treatment, and you now need more. Um, they'll Depending on what, like I said, if what treatment you want, uh, the assessor, either if it's going to be like a physician or a psychologist, they're going to complete a report and then gonna, going to address the benefit at the end. And sometimes they'll agree that it is recommended. It is needed. Sometimes they won't. Another way of getting out of this is even producing medical records. Let's say from your family doctor or another specialist that uh, you've recently seen. Sometimes they'll put in their note, oh, uh, he's gonna need treatment for, she's gonna need treatment for the next eight months. Well, if you've already been cut off at the four month mark, the insurance company is gonna clearly see that they're gonna have to continue approving your benefits.
1: So John, I mean as you can see, you know, if you're in the within the minor injury guideline, the insurance company only has to pay you 3500 bucks, not you actually, but for your treatments whereas if right. Brandon for example can get you out of that uh, category, classified category, then you could be entitled to $65,000. So my point is that this, is, this can get very complex, and I'm sure there are listeners right now when they're listening to this, they're saying, what does that mean? Minor injury, this, that, all these things, non-catastrophic, catastrophic. It is very confusing. Many lawyers out there themselves are confused, and one of the reasons for the confusion here is because the law gets changed every so often primarily at the behest of insurance companies who are lobbying the government to reduce benefits mm, more and right. more and more, which is why it is so crucial to get this advice, free advice, by the way, uh, by contacting a-, a law firm that specializes in this area. Now, we're not the only lawyers. We're not the only law firm that deals with this area of law, but we know what we're doing. We've been doing this for a very long time, and it's free to get this advice. So if you're speaking to Brandon, you're speaking to me or any member of our team, it costs you absolutely zero dollars to understand what your rights are. And at the end of the day, once we give you those options, once we explain to you what you can do, what you can't do, what the insurance company is allowed or not allowed to do, then you can decide. You can make an informed decision either for yourself or a family member, whoever it is that's contacting us and, and for whom you're contacting us. So really, really important. Now, uh, Brendan, you had mentioned also, uh, you know, that there are different times, right? That there, there are different, I mean, you have to apply for the benefits and it's, you know, there are certain criteria. There are certain things you need to be aware of. Uh, one of the things, John, maybe we can come back to this after the break. I know we have to take a break is what happens when the insurance company denies benefits after the six month mark, which, which happens quite frequently. So maybe when we come back, John, we can pick up on that.
0: You bet. We will do exactly that. Probably get into some email as well. You can send those along to Brandon or Savannah anytime. By the way, it doesn't have to be just during the show. That is help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number, always use it. Make that phone call. It won't cost you anything to get yourself educated even further. one 821 5900 We will continue here at the Disability Law Show on a Friday evening. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, welcome back to Disability Law Show on your Friday evening. You're not set to go just yet. We want to talk to you a little more about how they can help as far as this time of year, especially slips and falls, motor vehicle accidents. The weather is getting nasty like it started to yesterday, so it's rearing its ugly head but you're a phone call away from some answers, toll-free, of course, to reach Savan Tamarkin or Brandon Ferrante as well, who's an amazing paralegal with the firm. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email that we're going to get to here momentarily. Anytime, help at disabilityrights.ca or simply disabilityrights.ca. The firm website will take you to a place for more contact. But before we get into uh, to, to some emails here, Savan, I know you had one more question for, uh, for Brandon. Shoot, pal, what do you got?
1: I do, yeah. So it's in the context of car accidents, Brendan. I was going to ask you, you know, people when they're injured in a car accident, they then apply for accident benefits either with the help of a law firm or a lawyer or a paralegal, uh, or by themselves. But oftentimes they get denied these benefits after the six month mark, after the six months of getting those benefits or having the accident. Uh, what happens at that point? What do you suggest they do?
2: Well. This does happen very, very often. You know, a lot of the times the client will ask me, why is this happening to me? How could they do this to me? Well, I can just let you know now that it, it happens to everybody. Sometimes at the six month mark, sometimes later. But, um, like you said, typically at the six month mark. Um, as previously mentioned, there's a few ways you can get, uh, you can change this denial into an approval. Um, sometimes it's simply by going to an insurance examination to see an assessor and they'll agree with that benefit or not. Uh, Sometimes uh, it's simply you just have to produce your medical records by either your family doctor or specialist like I previously mentioned, but sometimes neither of these things will work. Uh, The next step would be to file an application with the License Appeal Tribunal where both you and your representative uh, can argue and dispute why these benefits are reasonable and necessary and why only six months of treatment isn't enough and why you will need attendant care benefits to have a personal support support worker come and help you around the house a few days a week. Um, This process, it starts off, like I said, just filling out an application and then the insurance company will go ahead and they'll file their response is what it's called, uh, basically arguing why they don't think that this treatment or benefit is uh, reasonable or necessary and then a case conference date will be set and hopefully uh, things get resolved at that case conference. Uh, Sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it has to go on to a hearing but the first step it would be to file an application with the uh, License Appeal Tribunal and move, move forward from there.
1: So, John, obviously, uh, it's something that you would want some help with. It's not something I recommend people to do by themselves. It's very, very technical. Again, Brendan does this all the time. So if anybody out there, if you're in that situation or you know somebody, John, you're going to give out the information. They should be contacting the firm and speak with Brendan for free about what to do. Again, uh, to reach Brandon
0: and Savannah, the rest of the team, easy, right? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. Don't hesitate. It's just a phone call and uh, a conversation for sure. Got an e- uh, email guy that's right in your wheelhouse for what we're talking about here tonight from Nancy. He says, uh, guys, my husband and I were in the 401 heading to Ottawa last month. When the weather was getting worse and we were rear-ended by a large truck, we swerved and hit the guardrail, and it was a really violent accident. Our car was a total write-off. The police and ambulance came, and we were taken to the hospital. We both had bruises all over. My husband suffered a concussion. I broke two ribs. We're still both in pretty bad shape and haven't been back to work. I'm a teacher, and my husband's an electrician. I'm trying to understand what our rights
1: are here. The other driver was charged by the police. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and so I'm, I'm going to start off here and then I'll get Brendan's thoughts here on the accident benefits sure. portion that he was just talking about. But I can tell you, Nancy, that first of all, very unfortunate, not unusual, again, unfortunately, to hear these kinds of stories. Uh, and in your specific case, we know that the other driver was at fault. I mean, that person was charged by the police. Now, being charged doesn't automatically mean that person is at fault, but it's it gives us a pretty good indication that he was at fault. And given the type of injuries you're dealing with, I mean, a concussion, broken ribs, probably other types of issues that have developed, chronic pain that's going to develop here, you know, when somebody tells me they suffered a concussion, I often tell them that you know, if you were to Google what a concussion is or speak to a doctor, they'll tell you it is a brain injury. Now, some of these are very mild; some of these, you know, they 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 go away, and the person comes back to normal 100%. But in some instances, they do not, and that's why you know there there is a head injury routine that you have to follow, and you have to make sure that the person you know is monitored by medical professionals. And in this case here, we're dealing with an accident, John, that happened a month ago, and they are still having difficulty in terms of going back to work. If, in fact, the doctors are prognosticating that they're going to have issues into the future, right, given the type of injuries they suffered here, they're going to have that tort claim that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, meaning that they're going to have potentially sizable claims for compensation. What does that mean? I'll give you an example. Let's say that Nancy, I don't know how old she is, but let's say she's 40 years old, as an example, just like her husband. And let's say that she was earning, as a teacher, sixty, seventy thousand dollars 70000 a year, again, as an example. Let's say she's not able to go back to work or is only able to go back back to work part-time. Again, Brendan's going to talk about the accident benefits portion and the income replacement benefits she's entitled to. But on the tort side, depending on how uh, bad the injury is and the effect that these injuries are going to have on her ability to work in the future you could easily start calculating damages in the hundreds of thousands of dollars in terms of what her losses are going to be, not to mention pain and suffering, not to mention any medical rehabilitation expenses she's going to incur, above and beyond where her own insurance company is going to pay, which again, Brendan's going to talk about. And again, her husband is suffering a, a concussion. Does that mean he cannot work anymore as an electrician? Does it mean he can only go back to a part-time job or work modified hours? What about if he went goes back to his old job as an electrician, But he is now limited in terms of his opportunities at the workforce, meaning he cannot work overtime like he did before. Maybe he'll be passed over for promotion. You see, you can build up a case here and say, look, this these injuries that these poor people suffered could be very, very significant if you were to extrapolate what that means in terms of dollars over the long term, over the next 20, 25, 30 years. So we always tell people when you're in an accident, Certainly, the first thing is you got to make sure that you're okay, get medical help, get checked out, go to the hospital, whatever is required. But the second thing is make sure you get legal advice. And that's what we do. And again, we, we always tell people, we never pressure anyone, but we want to make sure people have the information that they need, which is why we tell them, give us a call, email us. It doesn't cost anything to get this consultation uh, by phone, in person, by Zoom, whatever you want, but at least you'll know what your options are. Uh, Brandon, I want to get your thoughts here because clearly we're dealing with significant injuries. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're not going to be classified within the minor injury guideline. I don't think.
2: No, no. A case like this, uh, with like you said, uh, pretty severe injuries. We have uh, a concussion, bruises, uh, broken bones, broken ribs. I apologize, um, but yes, uh, both, uh, uh, both Nancy and her husband are clearly not fit to return to work. So they will be entitled to that uh, income replacement benefit, again, depending on which policy they have and what the limit is, is what their limit is of what they're going to uh, be receiving per week. Uh, but yes, uh, they're going to need that income replacement benefit. With injuries like this, they're most likely going to need attendant care benefits as well. So an in-home assessment would need to be completed to see how many days and how, how much time uh, a personal support worker would need to come in to help Nancy and her husband. Um, as for benefit, uh, medical rehabilitation benefits, um, there can even be another assessment for uh, concussion assessment to be completed along with uh, recommended treatment at the end of same thing with the, as the insurance examinations, um, an assessor could put at the end of the reports, what they recommend. Uh, and depending on how severe Nancy's husband's concussion is, will depend on how much treatment, uh, will be will be needed in the foreseeable future.
1: So again, John, I mean, as you can see, very, very complex stuff. Uh, I really do urge people not to try to do this by themselves. They can, but we oftentimes get people and Brendan knows this, that contact us after trying to do it on their own and we have to undo so many mistakes, and sometimes there's missed uh, um, uh, limitation periods, and sometimes there there's just, there are mistakes done, right? You're dealing with an insurance company. These guys are pros. You want to make sure that you have people on your side who are looking out for your best interest. Don't take them on by yourself.
0: Yeah, it seems like that uh, that MIG that minor injury guideline that thirty five hundred you could suck that up so quickly. I mean, it's it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just man, that, that's uh, to Brandon's point or Savannah, like you were saying, you know, a couple trips of physio, you have some
1: concussion treatment, thirty five hundred bucks is done. It's done. You got to get out of that thing. It's nothing, John. It's yeah. absolutely nothing. And I'll tell you, I speak with clinic directors, with physiotherapists, uh, massage therapists, chiropractors all the time. It's nothing. So I get physio on a regular basis for sports injuries. And I can tell you, I mean, it's easy to spend a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there. Thank God we have benefits. But my point is that, you know, when you have significant injuries, you must get yourself out of that minor injury guideline or you're going to end up paying out of pocket so much money. Even if you have benefits through work, usually it's 500 bucks for the year for massage or Cairo or whatever. Maybe it's through your spouse's uh, health benefits. These things get exhausted very fast. You need help to make sure that you actually get yourself outside. And again, you got to do this in tandem with the tort claim, right? The claim for compensation, because you can be looking at a claim in the six or even seven figures. You want to make sure it's done correctly. And if you go to the wrong lawyer, if you go to the wrong law firm, by wrong I mean you go to people who just don't know this area of law or don't care, you could be in for a world of pain. I can tell you, we have a policy that unless there is a very good reason... You know, we oftentimes don't take on cases that other firms have screwed up. We don't want yeah. to get into that mess. It's too, it's too much of a, of a headache. So you want to make sure you get it right from the beginning, which is why we tell people, contact us, talk to us. You don't like us, you don't like the advice, no problem, go elsewhere. But at least speak with us. It costs nothing. And we know what we're doing. We're doing this for a long time. We've had this show, John, for years and years and years you know, go onto a website, go take a look at the Google reviews that we have for our firm. I mean, just check us out. The reality is you need this help, especially now winter's coming. These injuries are happening to many, many people across the province. And we just, we have the expertise, we have the know-how, and we've been helping so many people out there understand what their rights are. Guys, great stuff. You can now begin
0: your weekend. Brandon, you're awesome. Savannah, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure and informative for sure. You want to reach out to either of these two guys, they both have a great team with them as well. Uh, as mentioned, a simple phone call for a chat won't cost you anything. Just educate yourself a little bit more. That eight five five. 821-5900. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. By the way, we have a TV show. As Savan mentioned radio for years, TV as well. Go to disability, uh, disabilityrights.ca and uh, look for the uh, the media tab. You'll find past episodes you can watch and play back as well. But again, that phone number one more time, 1-855-821-5900 to reach out. And we'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show.